You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Alright, welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing I Still Know What You Did Last Summer from 98 and Vampires Los Muertos from 2002. So since it's Tim's turn to go first, we'll go with I Still Know What You Did Last Summer from 1998. Take it away, Tim. So, um... A year after the, all the murders of brutal murders of all of her friends, Helena and Barry Cox, uh, you know, uh, the vengeful fisherman, Belle Millis and Julie James, and everything from the first movie. Uh, Julie's attending uh, summer classes at Boston uh, for college, and she suffers from uh, nightmares from the murders of her roommates. Uh, Julie's roommate uh, and her roommate wakes her up and uh, tries to be... Th- be there for her but scares the living crap out of her by uh i don't know why okay she thought she was gone with her boyfriend and uh, julie was having the nightmares didn't want to go back home because that's where everything happened and she's kind of freaked out by it but her roommate comes into her dark room and uh doesn't turn on lights and starts going through her closet and scares the living crap out of her i can get that she got in she had a key she's a roommate comes in all that but why is she keeping all the lights off if she thinks that julie's gone to me, this seems very odd. That was it was a very strange thing. I mean, yeah, I'd be scared too if my roommate decided to become nocturnal and sneak through the house all of a sudden, scared the shit out of me when if I had done this. So anyhow, but they uh she wins this uh her friend gets wins the next day, wins this uh trip to the Bahamas. Sounds great. That answer a question. Uh the capital of uh capital of uh Brazil or something like that. And uh they guess Rio anyway, and it was the wrong answer. But they somehow won, which was a little weird. If you know anything about geography, that would start off like you already man, you already know some odd here. But anyhow, so um, her roommate and that best friend there wins. Of course, she wants her to go with her, and she's gonna go with her. Her roommate's gonna go with the boyfriend, and also go with. Uh, Julie tries to invite her boyfriend, uh, who is one the same one from the first movie, and he kind of backs out of it and says, "Probably not." Um, but he has reasons for it. They find out after they get off the phone, but she begs him and tells him to try and make it. So, you know, she's hoping that he's going to show up before they leave. And the reason he didn't is because he bought her a ring, which he shows to the, uh, shows to his coworker and his coworker says, don't call her back and talks her into taking a road trip and just surprising her. Cause you know, and we got about to propose. That makes sense. So head out. And on the way there, um, there's a body in the road, like a car accident or something. He gets out, Ray gets out and goes and checks the body and the body's uh, a mannequin. And then he realizes what's going on. And sure enough, there's the killer. It looks like Ben's back in his, uh, his whole fisherman outfit and with a hook for a hand and rips, rips his friend right out of the front seat of his car with a, with a hook through his head and then tries to run over, run over Ray. And Ray winds up falling down a, an embankment and actually knocking himself unconscious. You don't know if he's dead or alive. Well, next morning, um, Julie and Carla are sitting outside uh, waiting for for her, Carla as a roommate, waiting for the boyfriend to get there and hoping that, uh, you know, hoping Ray's going to show up. Ray does not show up. And she didn't. So there's this other boy that kind of likes, obviously likes Julie and Julie kind of likes him, but she still loves Ray. Well, they show up and uh, of course, here comes the Jeep and guess who's there? It's not just carla's boyfriend but it's also carla's boyfriend by the way carla's played by brandy and uh carla shows up carla's boyfriend shows up and yes there's the uh friend the other friend is there he gets there and 
when they, he gets there and everything. And uh, well, the Ray didn't show up, so he's gonna go. It's gonna be the four of them. It's like you know, if he wanted to show up, he should have showed up, and kind of get that some degree. And, it's, and also, Carla did mention, you know, I won the trip, and I'm not wasting a ticket, and he's my friend too. So they all wound up going. So we're heading out to this, and uh, the group arrives at the hotel and checks in, and it's a really awkward check in, and uh, the check in clerk's kind of a dick to them and everything. Turns out this is off season; storm season starts the next day. It's like their version of winter. It's really dangerous. And terrified, she runs back. Uh, you know, they they try to figure everything out. They start singing karaoke and stuff afterwards because what else are they gonna do? They're there alone. Turns out in the bar, and the bar's kind of boring. It's just the one barkeep. There's like four people total on the island other than them. And they're all workers. One's the bartender, which is a woman. You've got uh, one of the dock workers who has a fake accent and is constantly trying to, I don't know if he's trying to hit on the guest or if he's trying to get the guest to pay him, but he's kind of weird. There's an old guy that's um, a little strange, like a groundskeeper slash um, attendant that helps carry the bags and everything. And then you have the uh, guy that works, you know, as a clerk. Well, you got those four people. And then you got... um. So she's in the bar. They just had the bartender. They're singing. And then she's singing. She's doing a great job. Even the barkeeper seems almost jealous of the fact she can actually sing. And then the words come across. I still know uh, what you did last summer. Roll onto the screen when no one's paying attention. And Julie's freaked out, obviously, and understandably. Also, everybody thinks she's kind of crazy because nobody saw it, which even Julie uh, looks like she's questioning it for a second there. Well, she runs back to her room and uh, at the dock... Derek, the dock hand, that's the one that, with a fake accent and everything, is uh, trying to, tying up the boats and then this, uh, oh, there's one other guy. This is, it's Jack Black playing uh, this, like, hip dread, dreaded hippie that kind of lives on the island that kind of just sells everybody weed. Well, he comes and scares the dock worker and stuff at the dock and it's it's actually kind of funny. He scares the living shit out of him. But then um, he gets uh, his leg tangled up in a rope and knocked off by something yanking on the rope. He assumes it's his buddy, you know, the one the one played by Jack Black, and it's not. It's actually uh, Ben, and he gets when he comes up on the dock, he gets a hook through the head and gets killed. And uh, Jack Black's character hears it, turns around, and see, hears a weird noise, but doesn't know what it is, and then just, you know, proceeds to light up a joint and walk away. And it seems to be a thing for him in this movie. It's really far from the real truth, other than the dreads, right? Well, he goes through and... uh well, the others are uh, then uh, Carla and her boyfriend, who's played by Tyrell, by the way. Um, they're in the hot. They go, went up in a hot tub after she's just too wound up. He's just trying to get it on. And they wind up in separate rooms. They get the honeymoon suites. Of course, uh, the friend that wasn't supposed to be there with Julie does opt out on going and sleeping on the couch on the, in the foyer. And he, but he does try to kiss up to her by bringing her in roses and a note, and he scares the crap out of her, her, and she winds up screaming, and he drops a rose and smashes it and hands her a single rose, and then walks out. Was this all happening all at one time, kind of like overlapping? Uh, then uh, the, it comes in on the old lady, the housekeeper, someone else that you know is air work, another worker. She's her Olga, and she's um, they try to talk to her when they get there, and she just kind of ignores them like completely, a hundred percent. Anyhow, she's going through and she's cleaning room, housekeeping, cleans the room. Then she goes to knock on a second door and say, says housekeeping a couple times and looks at her hands. Her hands are covered in blood. She realizes the sheets that she w- had just put in were like soaked in blood. And while this is happening, that door opens and she's killed from behind as well by Ben. So there, there's another one. And then uh, we're getting a pretty good body count with so few people on there. 
Julie's in her room and notices her toothbrush is missing after like you see movement and someone walking in the background and stuff. And then her toothbrush is missing. She searches her room before finding uh, Derek dead in the closet, the, the dock in. Like he falls from the top, he's hanging and he's dripping blood everywhere. She she screams and finds her friends. But when they call come back, there's no sign of Derek, no sign of blood, no sign of anything. So they, they of course, you know, Carla's boyfriend thinks she's crazy. Keeps on saying it over and over again. The others are trying to stick up for her, but, you know, it's hard when there's no evidence. And uh, Mr. Brooks comes in, the hotel manager. He's the he's also the clerk, and he's, oh, he was just as much of a dick here and said, oh, you guys knew you guys were going to be nothing but trouble. But I can't send you home. But you can't go home because there's no, no ferries leaving the island for at least a couple more days because of the storm. And as she goes to call on a phone, he, like, stops her, and you think, wow, that's a little weird. Phone's dead. He says it's dead, which is right. It is, but. Just the way he held it made you think a little ominous like thought there for a second. Well, he refuses to believe her story. And then uh, by the pool, Titus Telesco is murdered by Ray, who who's, has survived his injuries and heads out to rescue Julie. Um, yeah, that's uh, Titus is the uh, it, Titus is the uh, one that has the pot plants and stuff. And he's uh, in there. He's uh, actually checking his plants and picks fresh bud and tries to smoke it in a bong, which no. Another mistake, but still, Jack Black, who cares? <laughs> Next day, he, uh, the group finds Olga, Titus, and Mr. Brooks murdered in the two in a two-way radio that they were trying to find because uh, they find the, the managers in there. They um, He was murdered. The radio's destroyed. They wind up running around. They run and hide in a shed. The shed actually has all the rest of the bodies in it, so they know that like the body pot's piling up. All of a sudden, you know, Carla's boyfriend believes her. It's like no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the boat hand uh, porter finds that he's been using uh, voodoo. That's the old old man I was talking about. He's uh, using voodoo against them, but he wasn't using it against them. He's trying to save them. They find out later after they accuse him of murder because he walks up behind him because she goes and walks to this globe and turns it and realizes, oh, guess what? Rio is not the capital. Hmm. Uh, we knew this if you knew geography before. You already knew this. So it wasn't, it was all fake trip. And he tells them that Ben and his wife, Sarah, had two children. Uh, they used, he used to work there. He used to be four of them that worked there. Um, he had a daughter and a son. And then there was uh, Ben. And he saw Ben around again lately. So he knew Ben was around. And he, that Ben had found Sarah, uh, murdered Sarah when he found out that she was having an affair. And then they went missing. And uh, volunteers went to find them when, uh, he estimates that's the guy's name. He runs away, and when they're talking, and Ray runs after him to to find him. That's the friend that was invited along, and he goes to take. He uh, he was he had a boat. Because why didn't you say he had a boat? He goes, uh, "We're not going anywhere." And he literally knocks uh, knocks him up against the head, knocks him out. The old man knocks him out. You don't know if he kills him or not. You don't know any of this. You just know that he hit him upside the head with an oar, and then. Um, Julie, Carla, and Tyrell return to the hotel and find Nancy, the bartender, hiding in the kitchen. Like they, Tyrell uh, arms everybody with knives. Everybody's not having no problem with that. And then he says, I want to go to the pantry because I'm hungry. Don't pretend you're not hungry because they haven't eaten. And he goes into the freezer. A rat runs out, scares the crap out of him. And then when he takes a step back, he gets hit upside the head with a bowl, uh, rolling pin by uh, the bartender. Uh, ben appears in the kitchen and grabs Tyrell and rips him up through the uh, from up above. And gets him through the neck, uh, below the chin, and picks him up with the hook. And then uh, 
They return to the hotel and find Nancy, the bartender, hiding in the kitchen there. And then Ben appears in the kitchen, kills Daryl, yeah. Where he's attacked by Ben. Julia and uh, Nancy rescue Carla and run run to the storm cellar where they find Ben's victims. That's where all, all the rest of the bodies were. They were hidden. We burst in and takes the girls back to the hotel, stating that Ben saw, they saw Ben on the beach. Will is the uh, the friend that likes Julie and that they're all safe. At the hotel, as he tells them that Estes attacked him and he was bleeding from the stomach. Nancy and Carly leave and to go find a first aid kit. But that's when you find out that no, Will um, has no blood. It's not his own blood. You find out he's he's actually Ben's son, and it, he's he's helping him, obviously. And then um, then Estes shows up impaled with a harpoon, and Ben appears after Estes falls on top of the bartender. Ben appears and then shoves the uh, harpoon through both bodies and pins them to the floor. So they're both dead at this point. So at this point, you have uh, all you have is Carla. Carla and uh, Julie left at this point alive. And then uh, Will drags Julie to the graveyard where he reviews that Ben is his son, explains it in more detail to her because he kind of, Ben says it before, but this is where Ben says, yeah, he's my son. Ben appears and attacks uh, Julie before Ray arrives and engages in the fight. Because Ray actually, during all this time, he goes through a lot of things. He goes to a pawn shop, pawns the ring, gets like $300 and a pistol with uh, ammo in it, and after leaving the hospital, uh, sneaking out the window, they think he flatlined, they go in there, and he's already gone. And then he steals a boat, <laughs> the same one that they had arrived on. He went and uh, stole, stole a boat at gunpoint. So, yeah, he went through a, quite a bit of shit, too, while this is all going on. Well, he shows up, tries to help, gets knocked unconscious uh, for a minute. And uh, while this is going on, Will actually holds up uh, holds up Julie, because his dad tells, her, tells him to, and he's coming at him to go stab her. Well, Julie man's to knock Will, and then actually Ben winds up killing his own son, which is the beginning of the end for him. During all this, too, um, before the, before he gets killed, uh, Will uses the vo- radio voice and lets him, lets Julie know that he was the one that was uh, that actually did the whole like radio hoax. Well, he actually kills his son while he's distraught from killing his son. Julie shoots him in the head and then uh, empties a clip into him, and he falls into the grave that he had dug for Julie. And uh, starts sinking like into the mud when Ray gets uh, back up and it's just Ray, Julie. And then you think that uh, you thought that the roommate was dead. Nope. She shows back up a little bloody, a little beaten up there. She's alive as well. So the three of them did survive. Seems like the roommate actually really um, cares a lot for Julie. And this is a, at least the three of these have, uh, really good friends. Um, sometime later, they pan into this new house that um, you see Julie coming home to and open, unlocking the door and everything. And apparently Ray and Julie got married and bought a home because you see a sold sign on the for sale sign. And she taps on her way by. Uh, Ray's brushing his teeth in the bathroom with the, and the door's locked when he's occupied. And he's uh, brushing his teeth with this uh, electric toothbrush. And he seems to really enjoy it. He even mentions it while he's in there. He really likes his toothbrush. Well, Julie sits down in the bed and looks in the mirror, seeing Ben underneath it. She screams and is pulled under the bed. Like, this is one of those flash scenes, like, which ends, uh, this is the end of the movie, leaving the audience questioning, is it real, or is it just another one of Julie's nightmares? Don't like that part, I know you're not gonna, but yeah, that's how the movie ends. So, let's hear some uh, numbers on this movie before we give our thoughts. Yeah, 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 you're not the boss here. Anyways, um, Rotten Tomato gave it a 7%, I mean, that's way too low. Audience score of 29, still pretty low. Google gave it an 86%, I agree with that. This movie had a budget of 24 million and made 84 million 
in the box office. Now, when it comes to my thoughts on this one, I loved this one or the original when I was a kid, but as I got older, I tend to like the first one more. That has gore, but in, in my opinion, it could have used a lot more with a lot more blood as well. The story of how the killer was still alive with the help of his son tricking some college kids plus the Julie character into an island where he could do all the killing without police involvement. It just uh, could have been done a little bit better, I guess, the overall story of this one. Um, I did like the plot twist with Will revealing himself to be the killer's son and that the whole thing was a setup. I like that part. I love the cast for this movie. I mean, you get Freddie Prince Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt reprising their roles as Ray and Julie with a long with a long along with some new faces in the series of the movies because they made three of these I mean you get Mackay Pfeiffer playing Tyrell and you get Brandy playing Carla and of course you can't go wrong with Jack Black playing this annoying pothead with dreads named Titus plus you get Muse Watson playing Ben Willis again the ending was great but the plot twist making us think that Julie was going to be killed by Ben while Ray was brushing his teeth. Yeah, if you remember the first one, the same thing was pretty much happening there too. They did the same thing. They made you think that she was dead in the first one, but she ends up being alive in the second one, obviously. So with that being said, I gave this one a 4.7 skull rating. What owe you, Tim? Yeah, I agree. The cast was good. This is early in Tyrell's um, like like career too but yeah they had a lot of good um cast members here they the um i forget his name the old 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 guy that played the uh the guy did the voodoo and stuff too the that guy he was also really well known as well i forget his name off top man yeah i've seen a bunch of movies with him and him he's a pretty good actor i guess and that was brandy was the yeah brandy being the i mean yeah there's a lot of good actors in it and they did a good job the acting was good the gore was pretty good it was a Good movie. I'm with you too, though. As a, as it aged, I believe the first one was better for a rewatch. But yeah, I gave it a four and a half skull rating too on this one. I think it's a very good movie. I definitely watch it again. Shock factor is is a twist. Everything. The only thing that was is if you. I kind of had that feeling the first time I watched it. Oh wait a minute, real's not the cap. I knew that was wrong. So you kind of get that feeling that there was a setup, but you don't know if it's a setup by anyone there or just someone paid from outside. You don't know it was one of them. Yeah, pretty good plot twist. Yep, that's my thoughts on it. It was a very good movie. 4.5. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I have the first one on DVD. We've reviewed the first one. That's what we're doing. We're doing sequels this episode. But yeah, I think uh, that'll be it for this movie. So before we move on to mine, I got a little special message for our listeners before we get to my movie. Go ahead. Take a spooky dookie. Okay, I hope you liked that little message. I thought it was pretty funny, but anyways. Now we will move on to my movie, which is, again, Vampires Los Muertos from 2002. So a man on the streets searches for a prostitute, and when he finds one, he threatens her with a razor blade. A guy named Derek Bliss steps in and points a odd-looking gun at his left temple. The man backs away, and the prostitute thanks Derek and asks if she can do anything for him he ends up shooting her in the mouth and in the chest with three stakes as it turns out she's the vampire Derek drags her to an abandoned car lot and watches her body catch on fire 
in the sunlight while filming it on camera. When he gets back to his hotel room, the Van Helsing group leader calls him and informs him that he has a new job. He goes down to Mexico and ends up in a monastery where a group of vampire hunting priests are staying. He has a strange vision and one of the priests concludes that the vampires may be linking up with him. That night, Una, a vampire princess, and her vampire breed, I guess, attack and feed upon a man. The next day, Derek goes looking for people on a list that he was given. Unfortunately, most of them are dead or crazy, or the last living ones are killed. Derek goes to a coffee shop and asks for a man named Jesse. He tells Derek to wait while he finishes up something. Derek then meets a young woman named Zoe, and he grows suspicious of her when she asks him if he works in the undead business. He leaves to go to the bathroom and finds out that Zoe is a vampire by using a special lens. Even though the fact that he thinks she is cute, <laughs> he is thinking about killing her. In a split second, it takes him to throw a paper towel in the trash. Una comes in and thrashes the throat of every customer and kidnaps Jesse. When Derek comes out and sees that Zoe is also fled, he concludes that she must have done it. The next day, he pulls over when he sees her on the side of the road in daylight. They argue. Zoe tells him about special pills she takes to fight off the vampire side. She got bit accidentally by a vampire during a one-night stand. She has a vision of a monastery, and Derek realizes that's the one where he just left at. They drive back and find that all the priests but one have been slaughtered. Father Rodrigo tells them that Una is seeking the legendary Black Cross, the same one that we see in the first film, to do the same ritual so she can walk in the daylight just like the first vampire, and shows them something a fellow priest was working on in his spare time, a huge van complete with the necessary vampire slaying tools. Derek hears a noise in the trees and finds a teenager that he had met before, and the kid's name is Sancho or something like that. He has, per has a permission slip from his mother stating that he can go vampire hunting with Derek, which is pretty fucking hilarious. The group meet up with another hunter named Ray Collins from Memphis and also go after Una. Una seduces Ray while he's sleeping and convinces him to leave Zoe's pills where she can get to them because she realizes that something's up with Zoe's pills that might help her. When they reach the village where the vampires are hiding out at, they are welcomed because they want to want the vampires killed. Una, now able to walk in daylight, goes out and kidnaps Zoe. Derek aims the gun at Sancho and says he must give him the pills to Una. However, it turns out that it was, of course, Ray who did it, and they exchange fire at each other and shoots him before Derek shoots Sancho. Derek and Derek and the gang go after Zoe to rescue her at the cost of leaving Rodrigo to properly perform the ritual. They go back to the clinic where Zoe's vampire blood is exchanged for human blood through like IV and shit. As her pill pills were all used up, this method is the only way to suppress her vampire side for a time. Derek knows how to save Rodrigo. The vampire blood is pumped into his body. The team goes after Rodrigo and find out that he was not a real priest. 
Una is not daunted, and she responds by lighting a fire beneath his feet. Derek saves Rodrigo and goes after Una. They almost kill her, but she escapes when the cord, which is dragging her into the sunlight, snaps. She catches Derek, but Derek then grabs is what is left of the cord before they can reach the sunlight. Derek shoots her head off with a shotgun and it sends it flying into the sun where it catches fire. Her bo- the rest of her body turns into stone with a black heart still beating out of the chest. Derek walks up to it and drives a stake into the heart. Sancho and Rodrigo decide to stay in the village and Derek and Zoe drive away into the sunset to rep- resupply on the pills since they're both now infected. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. I mean, kind of like the first one a lot better than the sequel here. And apparently Rotten Tomato agrees because they gave this one a 20% with an audience score of 39. Google gave it a 71%. I did see a thing saying that this was like a straight-to-video thing, so there isn't a budget or box office that I know of. I couldn't find anything when I was doing research, so... But when it comes to, yeah, but when it comes to my thoughts, well, I did like the story of the sequel. I really loved how John Bon Jovi, who plays Derek, is a vampire hunter, and how they also have Eddie from Family Matters to play one, too. He's the one that stole the pills and was seduced by the vampire and ends up turning into one and gets killed. But uh, this one got a little bit more blood and gore compared to what Tim picked for this episode. I do wish they would have had a lot more vampires, though. I feel like the only one that we really do see is Una through many more others that we could have seen. I mean, we could have even had a fight scene against more vampires like we kind of did in the first one, and it just kind of irked me there, so that was kind of a letdown there. Speaking of the head vampire, I wish her death would have been done a lot differently. In the first one, you get... The head vampire getting stabbed with the cross. And then he bursts into flames after the hunter in that movie crashes into it like a pillar or something. Exposing the sunlight and just bursts into flame. That was fucking badass. But except we end up getting this shit. (laughs) She gets dragged off into the sunset by a car and has her head blown off. It's not as badass as the first movie. Uh, This movie did have a pretty good ending though. It did have like that happy ending feeling when everybody who survived was going their separate ways and everything but overall i gave this movie a four skull rating what about you there tim yeah i agree with you on almost every single point you mentioned um and you wouldn't have thought john bon jovi could pull this off but he did a pretty good job with the, the acting for these movies but yeah it's i like the first one better that's the problem that's the reason the rating is not as high as it could it would be because uh i know that the first one was better that the way they killed off the head vampire and this one just was fast as she was, because she was like lightning fast. Seemed like an awful lame way to die. Just get your head shut off. I mean, for me, that felt so lackluster. That was my biggest mm-hmm. pet peeve for the whole movie, is the fact that you get this big, big fight scene, and then it ends with just a kind of almost accidental quick shot. It's like, yeah. Eh, okay, yeah. yeah. She's like dodging bullets and arrows and catching arrows and everything else throughout the rest of it, but then just dies like that. But yeah, a lot more blood and gore than mine. Um fact i think this one's a little gorier than the first movie i'll give it that i think it's a little bit more blood and gore and she even had some super vamps under her that were kind of super vampish they they easily killed because they found them in the daytime so all in all yeah i i also agree with you about four skull rating on this one just because 
the other one's better. The original's mm-hmm. better. Yeah, I mean, the original one had James Woods in it. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen one other movie John Bon Jovi's ever done, and it was a comedy. You could tell it was a B comedy, too. But it was so funny as fuck, though. I mean, it had the guy that played Booger in the the uh, Revenge of the Nerd movies. So he started in that movie with that guy, and it was pretty funny. But we're not talking about comedies. We're talking about horror. But, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed both movies. Don't get me wrong. They're just not as good as the originals. Nope. I think in both cases, the originals were better. Yep. Agreed. And I'm pretty sure everybody listening will agree, too. So, especially if you watch these movies. I mean, if you didn't, then, yeah. But Give them anyways, a watch. They're worth it. Yeah. But anyways, if, uh, but yeah, this is going to be it for this episode. So, if you got any uh, movie suggestions, as always, you can email us at whatinthehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Twitter. That's whatinthehorrorpodcast, all one word. We also have a Discord still up, but as always, I've been Lando. And I've been Tim. And we are the fuck out of here. You were listening to What in the Horror. See you next time. <laughs>